Yeah, good morning to you. If you are visiting from out of town, whether you're from Sonora, California, or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we are so glad that you are here in our service as we gather today to worship the risen Savior who came into our world. It's a historical fact that Jesus Christ came into our world, 100% God, 100% man. It's awesome. If you're a college student, welcome home. Finals are done. (laughs) You can breathe for about three weeks, and then you need to get back. Uh, If you're a child in here, if you are a first grader, a second grader, a third grader, fourth grader, fifth grader, we are so glad that you are in our service. Normally, you're in one of your classes today, but thank you for being a part of our service. And there's actually uh, a children's elementary school insert that you should have gotten as you came in. If you didn't get one, you can grab one uh, from one of our greeters at the door uh, just at any time in our service. And there's a lot to be joyful about as we enter into this week of Christmas. Just thinking through, okay, what are some things that we as people get joyful about in a week like this? And I know if you're like me, one of the things you get really joyful about is finding an empty parking place the weekend before Christmas at the mall. Isn't this wonderful when you just happen to stumble upon a parking place and you're like, the Lord is real. (laughs) I have a place to lay my car. Another thing that gives us joy during this season is walking into work and finding a plate full of fresh Christmas cookies. And then realizing that no one else is in the room and you can take more than one. And that's like the best thing. And that gives us such joy at Christmas time. Or finding the perfect gift for someone on your Christmas list. And then realizing as you find that gift that it's on sale. That you can buy this thing on sale. This is a great thing. Until that person returns that gift and realizes how cheap you bought it on sale. Or a gifting that brings us joy during this season is when you plug in your Christmas lights and the very first time they work after an entire year, the lights still work. These are things that bring us joy during this season. But not, all of that doesn't compare to the joy and the peace and the freedom that God's Word brings us during this season. And so with that, I want us to turn to Luke chapter 2 as we look at the Christmas story beginning in verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the seat rack right in front of you. It's a blue Bible or a green Bible. You can just grab that. If you don't have a Bible in your possession or at home, take this Bible home and use this over this Christmas week. Let's look together at the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 8. And this is what it says. This is God's word. It says, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20 concludes, The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as he has been told, just has been told them. The scriptures say in a different part of the New Testament, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so as we look here at this message of Luke chapter 2, we can have confidence that this is God's eternal word. This is his message that communicates to us here in this Christmas season of 2014. And what does it exactly communicate? What is Luke 2 talking to us about? Well, we see these shepherds, these, these shepherds who don't have any names, but we know there was more than one. And we see them first interacting with an angel out of nowhere, and then that leading them to the manger. And in that, we get a better idea of how God feels about the world, how he looks at our world. And we see this. We see that the good news of Jesus is for you. It's for you. And it's for me. And it's for us. Regardless of our age, our background, our economic status, our race, our education, the good news of Jesus is for each of us. And what this means is, if you're seven years old here today, or if you're 77 years old here today, the good news of Jesus is for you. And what this means is that if you grew up in a Christian home, or you've just recently become interested in spiritual things. The good news of Jesus is for you. What this means is that if you have more money in your bank account than you know what to do with, or if you have so little money in your bank account that you have nothing to do with anything, Jesus is for you. What Luke 2 is communicating to us about God is that whether you are white or black, or Hispanic, or Asian, or Indian, or a Pacific Islander, or Persian, or you're a combination of several of these things. Jesus is for you. What this means is whether you've graduated summa cum laude from grad school, or you've barely made it through the fifth grade, Jesus is for you. How can I say that just standing up here on a Sunday in December? How can I stand before you and say that with all my heart I believe that? Well, because this is what God's word says. In a different gospel in Matthew, we see Jesus communicating the good news of his birth and his life to the magi, to the wise men. And then here in Luke 2, we see him communicating this message through an angel, not to wise men, but to marginalized 
men, the shepherds. I don't know if you've heard ideas or thoughts about what first century shepherds were like, but one historian says that they were despised and disparaged by their culture, that the elite looked down upon them, that the religious society wanted nothing to do with shepherds. And the reason for this in the first century was, well, there's a lot of reasons for it. One was shepherds were known for allowing their flocks to graze on other people's property. And so how would you feel if you're stepping outside your house, first century, and you see a group of sheep coming over the hillside, followed by a shepherd, and they're eating your plants and your crops with no regard to your personal property? I mean, quickly you would have disdain for this shepherd who was leading his sheep across your land. And so this was one of the reasons. Another reason that first century shepherds were despised by the people were because they were unceremoniously unclean. According to rabbinic law, you had to wash your hands before you ate. You had to observe certain laws according to even what was described in the Old Testament before you came to worship God. And the shepherds didn't observe these things. They were just dirty people. They had dirty clothes. They didn't wash their hands. And so they were looked down upon and you wanted to stay away from these first century guys. Third reason for the shepherds being disdained in this culture is they were known as thieves. They were known as when they had an opportunity to take something, they would take it. In fact, in this culture, you couldn't pull in a shepherd to be a witness in a court of law because they were deemed so untrustworthy during this era. And so this was the life of a shepherd. It was a hard life. They lived outside most of their life. And on top of that, they had to care for one of the dumbest animals in the history of mankind, sheep. (laughs) Sheep are known for, out of their curiosity, getting in really dangerous situations. And so shepherds had to follow their sheep to these places. They had to go after lost sheep. They had to protect their sheep from wild animals. There was a lot of work to be a shepherd. And so it makes sense here in Luke chapter 2 that when an angel of the Lord appears in the middle of the night to these guys, that they have every reason to be afraid. They're living in a dangerous place. They're disdained by their culture. And now this angel of the Lord, probably in their mind, is coming to bring judgment on them. Look what it says again in verse 8. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds standing out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. They probably thought they were going to be struck down in this moment, that this was going to be their death. But then look at verse 10. This angel of the Lord lets them know that he is bringing good news. They don't have to be scared. Look at verse 10 again. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. So the angel lets them know, you don't have to be afraid. I am bringing you not just ordinary news, but I'm bringing you good news. And this word good news in the original language, in the Greek language, it's a verb basically meaning evangelism or to evangelize. And so the angel is telling them, hey, this news that you're going to receive right now, it is so good 
that you're going to be so excited about it that you're just going to want to naturally evangelize about it. You're going to naturally want to just tell other people about the news that you're about to hear. And this news is filled with great joy. In the original language, this word great is mega. And so I'm about to bring to you this angel saying good news that you're going to want to tell everybody about, and it's mega joyful. This is what I'm about to say to you. And so the shepherds are taking this in, wondering, what is happening here? Why are we the people that this news is being delivered to? As they're in awe about what is happening in this moment. And then look at verse 11. It says, For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news of great joy came for them, these lowly shepherds. It came for the wisest of men, the Magi. And it came for us. I think we can get into the trap that the good news was born and birthed simply to Mary and Joseph. But that's not the case. It was born to us and all people as well. And as we sit here, randomly gathered, but divinely orchestrated in this room, do you get that this morning? That this good news is for you. The angel here gives us three terms for Jesus. They're incredible terms. He says that this one that's born for you is called a savior. He calls him a savior. This word savior means the one who would rescue and deliver us. The shepherds may have initially thought, well, okay, we're going to be rescued and we're going to be delivered from the Romans because they're the government that's oppressing us right now. And so this is what this Savior is going to be for. But there was such a bigger story in place is that this Savior would not rescue people from a government but would rescue them from something much more needed long-term and that is from their sin. And so the angel identifies this baby to be born as the Savior, the rescuer, the deliverer from our sins. And then the angel says that it's the Christ. This word translated means Messiah, anointed one. And so it's proclaiming here to these shepherds, this baby being born is your Savior, and He is the Messiah. Since Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve fell, the people have been waiting generation after generation for a Messiah. Someone to rescue them from their sins. They're stuck in this broken world, this broken life. And the prophets of the Old Testament are saying, hey, he's coming. This Messiah, he's going to be here. Get ready. It's around the corner. Here he comes. Now the angel of the Lord is proclaiming, now is the time. The Savior is here. The Messiah is here. And then look at the third term. The Lord is here. Lord means master, leader, and the angels proclaiming, your Savior's here, the Messiah's here, your leader is here, and we desperately need to be led because we are sheep and we need a shepherd. And here we hear the good, good news of great joy that the Savior has come, the Messiah is here, he will be our leader. And I just want to proclaim to us today that that is Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Lord. Amen? That's what we gather here to do, to worship, 
this Jesus, the one that the angel proclaimed. It's good news. It's good news for, for each of us as we live our lives here in 2014. A couple years ago, my wife Marie and I celebrated our anniversary up in L.A. at a swanky restaurant. We just had water and appetizers. But uh, <laughs> the princess of Saudi Arabia walked by, and she was surrounded by bodyguards. It's like, wow, that's, that was pretty amazing. One of the most wealthy people in the world just walked past us. And in that moment, I remember thinking, she needs Jesus. And I don't know where she stands necessarily, but just as she moved past us, and we're in the same space as her, just had this burden of like, she needs Jesus. And Jesus came for her, the wealthiest woman in the world, thanks to all of our gas that we put into our cars. She needs Jesus. And so I went over there, and then the bodyguards ended up pushing me away, and that was the end of that story, but no. But I wanted to go over there and be like, Jesus, he came for you, oh princess. About a year before that, we were in Quito, Ecuador, a group of us here at Calvary, and we got to experience serving at the dump, a garbage dump in Quito. We got to serve a meal to some of the poorest people that I've ever had the opportunity to interact with. They live in and around this garbage dump. They sort through the garbage each day to survive. And again, I had that same burden of, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. And Jesus came for them. The wealthiest of people, this princess of Saudi Arabia, Jesus came for her. The poorest of the poor in Quito, Ecuador, Jesus came for them. And Jesus has come for us. I want to challenge you. Maybe you're just visiting today. This is your time that you're at church for the year. I want to ask you, have you received Jesus? Have you taken in the good news of Jesus? Have you believed him to be the Savior, the Messiah, the leader, the Lord of your life? You can do that today. Receive this good news of Jesus. And then you see that the way that Jesus came to and for us was he had to humble himself. He had to literally enter into our world. This is just, again, just an insane idea. We celebrate it each year, but have you taken time in this last couple weeks to really take this in? That Jesus came in a manger. He came in humility as a baby. Look at verse 12 of Luke 2. It says, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Jesus humbled himself, the God that created everything, the God who looked down at the world in the beginning and said, It is good, humbled himself to come lay in a manger as a baby. I have my six-month-old nephew, Axel, here. This is Axel Mittman. Hey, welcome to church. <laughs> Axel has learned a lot in his first year of life. This is his first Christmas. It's my brother-in-law, Mark, and my sister-in-law, Whitney, up there on the screen. Axel can turn over. Axel can sit up. 
Axel is beginning to eat some solid foods. Axel can smile. Is there a smile under there? Okay, I'll, I'll leave that. Um. <laughs> Yet, Axel is completely dependent on Mark and Whitney, his parents, for life. Obviously, you get that, right? That Axel has to be changed several times a day. Axel is fed. His food is provided for him all day. Axel is put down for naps. Axel is transported around to different places. Sounds like a really nice life that you live here. (laughs) I want him to be um, an image for you of what Jesus has done for each of us. Jesus was once six months old. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of this universe, humbled himself to come into our world as a baby. Luke 2 says he'll be lying in a manger, wrapped in cloths. Can you imagine what that took for Jesus to do that? What amount of love that he would have for each of us to humble himself, to subject himself to our world as a baby. He could have come in in his plan and it would have been good if he was 30 years old. He said, I'm going to come in as a 30-year-old man, fully capable, and I'm going to take care of the sins of the world that way. But instead, Jesus came in the form of a little baby. And let Axel remind you of that, how incredible that is. That that's what our God did to show show and display his love for us. Good job. You did it. (laughs) That's our God. And yet you see this image of a trough reminding us of the humility of Jesus. But then right in the mix here in Luke chapter 2, you also see the kingship of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. Look at verse 13 of Luke 2 here. You see the angels show up and they announce that this is no ordinary baby. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Verse 13 says a multitude. That's probably better translated an army. There's an army of angels in the sky praising God that Jesus has come into our world. Sin and death take notice because the king is here and he is showing up to defeat you. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas is that the king has arrived. And so you see this manger of humility and you see the glory, the kingship of Jesus all blended wonderfully in a beautiful mess together here in Luke chapter 2. It's awesome. There's a good cross-reference to this. Put your thumb in Luke 2 and then go over to John 10. In John chapter 10, you get this image of Jesus as the good shepherd. Just one book over in the Gospel of John. John 10, look at verse 7. It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out 
and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I come, this is Jesus talking, I come they may have life and have it abundantly. And verse 11 of John chapter 10 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Isn't that a wonderful passage right there? You see in John 10, Jesus speaking with authority. He's speaking with the authority of a king. He's saying, I have the right to lay down my life. That's a thief. I'm the true one. I am the answer. He's speaking with authority here. And yet he also has such humility. Verse 11, I lay down my life for the sheep. So again, you see humility and kingship all wrapped together here in John 10. Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. Now go back to Luke 2. I think there's such a foreshadowing here of Jesus communicating to the shepherds through the angel. One, he's communicating God's heart that Jesus and this good news is for anyone and everyone who would believe. But also, he's communicating that the ultimate shepherd will be Jesus as he lays down his life on the cross for us, the sheep. And so in Luke 2, you have the manger, and then you have these army of angels glorifying God. And then you have the cross later on, and then you have the resurrection. Humility and glory and kinship all together. That's Jesus. That's who we celebrate. Greg Laurie said it well when he says this. He goes, Jesus took his place in a manger so that we might have a home in heaven. There rested the greatest gift in the plainest of wrappings. The humility, the kinship of Jesus. And so our response is this. It's our natural response. If you really understand that this is good news of great joy, is to have a lifestyle of worship. Look at verse 17. Or go back to 15. It says, When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. You'll notice here that the shepherds hear this message from the angel and they hurry, they immediately go to see Jesus. They drop the sheep to go to see Jesus. I don't know if you ever thought when you've read this passage, but what happened to the sheep? <laughs> the sheep, like, were left. They just wandered away to someone else's property. But at this point, the shepherds didn't care. They were dropping the sheep. They had something more important to do at that moment, and that was to go see Jesus. Our youngest son is three now, and he was born on a Sunday. And I was teaching a class here at 845 when Marie called me from home, and she said, Matt, my water has broken. It's time. And as I was teaching this class, I was like, peace out. I got to go. <laughs> I think they're still up there waiting three years later, but I uh, know. Uh, it didn't matter at that point what I was doing. I had to be with Marie. We had to get to the hospital. We had to deliver this baby. In the same way, the shepherds, it didn't matter what else they were doing. They left the sheep. They went to go see Jesus. I'm wondering as we enter this Christmas week, what do you need to drop? 
in order to have a lifestyle of worship to Jesus? What needs to be cut out of your life? What do you need to walk away from that's maybe getting in the way of you worshiping Jesus? Not just on a Sunday, but with your life. The shepherds here become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Look at 17. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which they were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. In verse 20, the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. The shepherds' praise as they meet Jesus is filled with joy. My prayer for us, just my brothers and sisters, my friends, is that our worship would be filled not with duty, but with joy this week. That we would just be in awe of Jesus. That he came as a baby in humility. He did things in humility like go to the cross. And yet he was our king. He comes in such glory, the angels announce him. He overcomes sin and death by resurrecting from the dead. This is our Jesus. My prayer is that we as people can just joyfully worship Jesus in this season and not just go through the motions. There's a couple of ways I want us to respond, even to this text, even this idea of how can we joyfully worship God. It's this. One first is maybe you've never received the good news of Jesus. Maybe if you were honest today, you would say, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I were to die today that I would be with Jesus forever in heaven. I don't have an assurance that my sins have been forgiven once and for all. Let today be the day that that takes place. That you place your faith in Jesus, the one who came for you. It's simply saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of your holiness. Thank you for coming into this world and taking my place. Dying on the cross. The death that I should have died. And then rising again, overcoming sin. Defeating death. In this moment, I believe in you as my Savior, my Lord, my leader. If that's your heart today, if you want to make that your decision today, I challenge you to do that. You can do that right from your seat. There's a little booklet in the seat in front of you. It says, a way to connect to God. You can even just pull that out and walk through those steps. And there's a prayer on the end of that. that You can pray and make that your personal prayer to the Lord today. For others, maybe you already are a follower of Jesus. What are some next steps out of Luke 2? One could be is just worship God this Christmas week. Come to a Christmas Eve service here at Calvary. They're at 5 o'clock, and then we have an 11 o'clock service for the first time this year in the chapel as well. Come to one of our services and just worship this Jesus that you follow. If you're out of town, find a church that is Jesus-focused and centered and worship Him this Christmas Eve in one of those services. That could be an opportunity for you to respond to Luke 2. Another is this. On our website, you can find these great steps of ways, suggestions to, to make this week sacred. Ways that you can just push pause on your life and say, I want to be a joyful worshiper, a responder to the good news of Jesus. And then finally, I want to challenge you, even in this space this morning, 
to as Mary did. Mary pondered in her heart all the things that she's hearing and seeing about this baby that's been born. I want to invite us this morning to ponder for a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple minutes right now. And in the sermon notes that uh, you were given in the little booklet you received when you came in, on the back side is a little uh, instructional piece. It simply says, what are some ways that you can thank and praise God in your life? How can you give Him glory? What I invite you to do for a couple minutes here is simply come up with some ways. You can write them down if you'd like. Ponder and reflect. How can you worship God in your life right now? I'm not expecting you to write a book or to have the most profound thoughts you've ever thought of in your life. But just in this moment, in this space, what are some ways you can praise God? Write those down and then I'll instruct us from there.